Hi, this is Jonathan Keller, and this is John Girardi. We are very excited to not be in Fresno, California, or mm -hmm. anywhere else in California. Uh, we are actually in Washington, D.C., at the headquarters of the Alliance Defending Freedom. Boy, are our arms tight. That's right. It was a long flight all the way into, uh, into D.C., and we are running on about three hours of sleep. So <laughs> <Total> uh, <laughs> combined. You, you'll be listening to this sometime after Tuesday, May 24th, uh, but sometime before an important date in June. And that's why we have our very special guest, uh, good friend and counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, Matt Bowman. Hello. Welcome to our D.C. office. Thank you so much for hosting us. It's really fun. It, it, it is a really nice office. Holy smokes. It, it, I would dare say it's a palatial studio, kind of nicely nestled uh, just a couple blocks from the Capitol. And yeah. you, you guys can see do... the Washington Monument from, uh, from Matt's office. Right out the window. Yeah. So. I thought Anyway, we've got a couple of different things we wanted to cover today. Um, some of you may remember on one of our early episodes, I think it was technically episode one. Yeah, we talked about AB seven seven five. Matt Matt called in via Google Hangouts, and we did a call about AB seven seven five, which is the bully bill that forces pregnancy care centers in the state of California to refer for and promote. Uh, abortion services. Yeah, and to clarify, this was the bill that was passed that was passed and signed into law last year in 2015. Was, yeah, so yeah, and it was uh, carried by uh, Assemblyman David Chu out of the San Francisco area, and he had f uh, formally tried to get this enacted as a city ordinance. And Matt, tell us a little bit about kind of the legal history of these types of ordinances, both in the Northeast and the current litigation you're doing there in California. This all from essentially a, a public campaign by NARAL, the National Abortion Rights Action League. They call themselves NARAL Pro-Choice America now. And in 2010 or so, they launched a campaign. It's essentially to anti-brand pro-life pregnancy centers. So pro-life pregnancy centers, you've got about 3,000 centers around the country, more than three times as many abortion facilities in the country. And these are centers where pro-life people get together and they offer women all the help that they could need and all the information and uh, education and financial assistance, material assistance, in many cases now health assistance, to make choices other than abortion. So whether she's going to carry the baby to term and, and keep the baby, whether she's going to give the baby up for adoption, whatever it happens to be, these are centers that empower women to make choices other than abortion because the culture, the prevailing culture, is, is that she feels pressured to have an abortion. Yeah. So today, uh, Matt, we saw in the Los Angeles Times an interesting article about this very bill in which uh, none other than you were uh, quoted, uh, and it's about uh, the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office saying that they're going to be very strictly enforcing this I thought that was really written in an extremely biased fashion, sort of not getting the point that these pregnancy care centers are you know, sort of exercising their First Amendment rights, that they're allowed to take a certain position on abortion, and that's why they aren't necessarily encouraging women to go and obtain abortions. Could you uh, explain for our audience a little bit about what the LA Times article was covering and, and what's going on uh, right now with the bill? Exactly. Now, and these bills, like I said, they came from this this essentially anti-branding campaign. They were all decided, well, if we want people to pay attention to what we're doing, we got to pass some legislation to go along with it. And they weren't able to get any states until 
it was introduced in your fine state in 2015. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't able to get any states to pass these things. They got some cities here and there with very pro-abortion councils and legi- uh, many legislatures. I, mostly New York and New Jersey, right? New, well, it was New York and Maryland. Maryland. And then uh, Austin, Texas. Mm. And then San Francisco <laughs> passed something not quite like this, and then and then California. So the this your law went into effect January 1st, yeah. mm-hmm. and the city... Uh, Attorney of Los Angeles yesterday held a press conference saying we were very we we're very serious about this law. We're going to enforce this law. I don't know if that's an accurate uh, inter- uh, uh, interpretation impression, impression of, <laughs> of, of the city attorney there. I didn't hear it, but that's going to be probably my, much angrier and more bitter than that's that. That's my standard yeah. city attorney impression. <laughs> <clears throat> and so he he did this press conference. Uh, well, thank you very much. We know what the law says. We yeah, filed right. a lawsuit against yeah. the law. Okay, yeah. we we know we know very well what the law says. It forces pro-life centers to that are medical and the, the many of these pro-life centers again everything they offer is free yep the, right. the, 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 it's very easy to tell the difference between an abortion clinic and a pro-life center because if they ask you for visa or mastercard or cash it's an abortion center right yeah pro-life that, centers are free that's one of my favorite lines and, and again folks you can tell which one is a a for-profit abortion center and which one is a Nonprofit pregnancy center by whether or not they take credit card. I mean, it, it's such a simple, clear delineation of the real motive. I mean, and to clarify, I'm sure there are some women that work for Planned Parenthood in general that are wonderful people, that they care deeply about the health and safety of women. But as an industry, you cannot deny the raw facts, and that is that Planned Parenthood is the largest provider of abortions in the country. And Planned Parenthood was one of the key proponents of this bill in the state of California. They were, they were kind of trying to work behind the scenes, but it is a direct um, detriment to their business model in California and in other states to have these free pregnancy care centers that are really working them out of business. That's the ultimate issue. And, and Planned Parenthood is set up as a nonprofit, but they make profit on their abortions. Pro-life centers don't charge for anything, including ultrasounds, including... Pregnancy tests, sometimes STD testing. So a medical pregnancy center, when a woman walks in the door, they have to tell them, California will give you a free or low-cost abortion. Here's the phone number. And they have to say it in longer language than that. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but obviously, a pro-life pregnancy center, which exists for no purpose other than to treat the woman and her unborn child both as patients, cannot say, oh, and here's where you can go kill one of the patients standing in the waiting room with you for free, paid for by tax dollars. They can't Mm -hmm. do that. That's a First Amendment violation. Right. See, and this was why I had so many problems with the L.A. Times article. I've got it pulled up on my phone here Um, because of how uh, sort of first sort of the shoddy reporting. So let me read here. Quote, when NARAL sent trained investigators posing as possibly pregnant women to 45 of the estimated 167 pregnancy, ca- pregnancy counseling centers in California, many gave them medically inaccurate information about the risks and ramifications of getting an abortion. Well, there's some helpful reporting for you. <laughs> we asked 45 of them and, quote, many. Well, how many? Yeah, so <laughs> Can and, I ask and, two? And, and, yeah. and it, wouldn't, it wasn't even that, oh, well, NARAL says that the information was inaccurate. It's yeah. just that the information was inaccurate. That's not reporting. That's opinion. Yep. Right. And that's essentially what these bills do. They define the pro-life view as, as deception, yeah. as, uh, as false. And then they had the government coming in and saying, we've defined your viewpoint as false. We can punish it. Yeah. Now, there is no possible 
First Amendment violation of the freedom of speech that you can think of that's worse than that. It's taking your viewpoint. And, and the legislative history actually is very candid and clear. And we're going to be talking about this to the, to the Ninth Circuit Federal Court uh, in three weeks. It's very candid and clear that the purpose and justification of this law is because we disagree with pro-life centers. They discourage women from having an abortion. They hand that information that we believe is incorrect. So we, the government, because we disagree with their viewpoint, we're going to punish them unless they speak our, our message of the government. Right, yeah. and that's very clearly conveyed further in the L.A. Times article, just to, so people can get a, a flavor of what excellent, clearly liberal reporting you're getting if you subscribe to the L.A. Times. Quote, at a news conference Monday morning, Los Angeles City Councilwoman Nuri Martinez said her office has received complaints about at least two clinics in the San Fernando Valley. One woman called Martinez's office and said she was never told abortion was an option. Well, of course. They're a pro-life yeah. pregnancy care clinic who yeah. thinks abortion is murder. They're not going to present this as like, yeah, this is a great, acceptable option. And if you ask the reverse, and I know this for a fact because there was a similar bill. It was the it was actually the bizarro mirror image version of this bill, uh, ironically titled AB2775, that was introduced yes. this year in the California legislature. Yeah. And we heard when John and I were in the hearing for that, we heard over and over and over uh, testimony from legislators and testimony from witnesses that said Planned Parenthood is not providing alternatives to abortion. Right. And uh, as, that was Assemblywoman Kristen Olson, I think, did an utterly amazing. masterful job of taking uh, this uh, Planned Parenthood uh, representative and just utterly skewering her by noting all of these public examples of women who had gone to Planned Parenthood and never been told that adoption was an option, never been told that there was material assistance available, all they were asking for was how to get abortions, and saying, well, if you're, you're saying that these pregnancy care centers are providing inaccurate information, all right, let's take that at its face value. Your clinics are clearly also having lots of these anecdotal examples, yeah. getting just as re valid uh, of inaccurate information. Well, and so Matt, why are we going after pregnancy care clinics and not you? Yeah, and Matt, I, I don't know if you, you had a chance to watch any of the testimony, but the thing that was so striking was they had a woman from Planned Parenthood that was testifying in opposition to this bill, and she was incredulous that I, I can't imagine that anybody from my clinics would ever not provide this information. And I... I I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. She was just shocked. Round that, up the usual suspect. Yeah. I'm shocked. <laughs> shocked. It was, it was kind of Captain Renault from uh, Casablanca. <laughs> yeah, Planned Parenthood is not handing out the phone numbers to pro-life pregnancy centers. Right. Because they just spent last legislative session explaining to people how pro-life pregnancy centers are a danger to the public, by which they meant right. a danger to their bottom line. Exactly. And uh, folks, again, just in case you need hard numbers, just for the state of California... Uh, California provides over $228 million annually, is I believe the number that we saw last year due to a FOIA request from, I think, uh, Assemblywoman Marie Waldron. Uh, that's to Planned Parenthood in the state of California. Now, that's not specifically targeted for abortions, but, but Matt... money is fungible. Mo so. Money is fungible, and we all know that if Planned Parenthood is able to use that quarter of a billion dollars to pad their bottom line and to grow and advertise and to kind of snake their way into communities across the state, uh, it, it then means that when anybody is faced with an unplanned pregnancy, they instantly think of Planned Parenthood because they've been conditioned to think of Planned Parenthood since age 10, 11, 12 because of 
sex education, because of free birth control, because of everything else. Yeah, and this is the government that's now saying, if you disagree with this massive abortion regime where it's legal, the government is paying for it, the government is paying to uphold the organizations that perform it, uh, that's not even good enough. If you disagree, you also have to participate in referring people to this this massive regime because we don't want we don't want women to have a choice. And ultimately, that's the issue. They're, they want women to have fewer choices. Women should not have the choice of a pregnancy center that treats the woman and the unborn child, both of them, as patients. Every every medical center uh, involved in pregnancy should treat the unborn child as a target, and and that takes away women's choice because some women want to be able to go to pregnancy centers that treat the unborn child as a human being. And if women don't have that choice, it makes our healthcare options less diverse. Yeah. And, and I, know, I know for a fact also all the pregnancy care centers that I've ever been involved with, um, we have a very good close relationship with the one that's in the Central Valley. Uh, and the ones that I've worked with around the state, they are really rigorous about making sure that on the one hand, people know that they are not abortion providers. Many of them even advertise that on their websites already. Many of them advertise that verbally whenever they have clients come in and talk to them. Um, there's there's not any deceit. There's not any subterfuge that's you know trying to trick women into uh, keeping their baby past a certain point. Uh, it is it is upfront and it's basically in a sense honestly I think it's kind of noble because they are trusting that the truth is going to be able to win out over the fear and the intimidation from Planned Parenthood. Yes, and let me just be clear: this law, it would be one thing if this law said uh, if your center engages in some some deceptive utterance, then it then it can be penalized. That would be one thing. Now, that would have its own constitutional problems. The Supreme Court a couple of years ago struck down a law that made it illegal to lie and claim that you are uh, you have a, a medal of honor. Uh, and they said, look, so sometimes false speech is protected. But let's let's suppose that this law actually said, well, okay, uh, if, pro-life centers that say false things, they can be penalized. Well, that, that would be interesting, but this law doesn't even do that. This law just right. says because you're pro-life, you have to recite the government's message or be penalized. And so this whole notion, uh, the fact that the L.A. Times would report, there were so many problems with the way they reported, uh, John, that you read that issue before, they reported what NARAL claimed as if it were true. But the fact that they would even consider that relevant, the law doesn't make it a an, what we call in the, in the legal field an element of the crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to actually engage in deception. So <clears throat> even if, <clears throat> excuse me, even if the, a pro life center is is engaged in totally truthful speech, they still have to uh, speak the government's message here. And so the fact that they claim that there are pro life centers that are saying things that the government disagrees with is not even pertinent. It's not even relevant. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we want to uh, we <clears throat> run a little low on time, so we'll, we'll try to wrap this up. So, Matt, can you tell us where we are in the lawsuit against AB 775 that Alliance Defending Freedom uh, is working on in conjunction with other organizations? Where are we in the process right now? Well, we have asked the tri- three, tri- three at least, there are maybe four or five, trial courts. I've asked one, trial courts in California to, to uh, issue a court order 
uh, several of them have declined. And so the Court of Appeals, the Ninth Circuit Federal Appeals Court, has expedited the appeals of those cases. All the briefs have been filed. Mm-hmm. And three of these cases have been combined for oral argument. Everybody's familiar with oral argument. The lawyer stands up in front of, a, in this case, a panel of three judges. You make your, each side makes their arguments. On June 14th in San Francisco at the federal courthouse, three of these cases will be heard. So I will argue on behalf of my clients, which is NIFLA, the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates. It has over 110 affiliates throughout the state of California that are mm-hmm. pregnancy centers. And Kevin Snyder from the Pacific Justice Institute will also argue. And Frank Mannion from the American Center, Center for Law and Justice will also argue. All three of us have three separate lawsuits that the court is uh, considering on the same day. And then we'll see what these judges think a little bit as they talk to us at argument. And then whenever they issue their decision after that, we'll, we'll see if they can uphold the First Amendment. So let me ask you a question as the, as the only non-lawyer uh, sitting on this podcast here. Uh, you said three separate lawsuits. Is this is what is called a consolidated case, or are these still three separate lawsuits, but they're just kind of hearing them concurrently? It's only consolidated for the purposes of oral argument. So there's still three separate cases. They're still in three separate courts and three separate cities right? It's, uh, around, the, around the state of California. But, but the judges, I think, rightfully decided, okay, well, these are the similar issue. issues. Yeah. Let's combine our discussion. We'll discuss it all in one bundle, and then maybe they'll issue, the, presumably they would issue a decision in one bundle. And we would move on from there. And the date of the, those oral arguments again? June 14th, uh, 9 a.m., All right. San Francisco. So, folks, uh, again, we will be releasing this before June 14th. <laughs> we encourage you to put that date on your calendar and to uh, ask your friends, your family, friends from church uh, to pray uh, for Matt and for uh, Kevin and for the other attorney? Uh, Frank. 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 There you go. For those three attorneys, uh, that God would just give them wisdom and grace, and that uh, also there'd be a favorable outcome, obviously, because the, the pregnancy care centers are doing incredible work, in many cases, uh, beyond providing medical and physical resources, they often provide spiritual care and counseling as well. Yes. And the fact that they are being enjoined and compromised in their mission is just really a travesty. So, uh, Matt, anything else you'd, you'd like to talk about regarding this case or anything else that ADF is working on right now? Well, my other project uh, is touching California, but the ACLU is on a national campaign to force religious hospitals to perform abortions. Hmm. So you, you, you think uh, forcing pro-life pregnancy centers to refer women for abortion is something. The ACLU is for, trying to force religious pro-life hospitals to perform them. We intervened in a case the ACLU filed in Michigan and asked the judge to dismiss the case, said that it would violate federal law because federal law says hospitals don't have to perform abortions. After we intervened uh, and the judge granted our intervention, the judge did dismiss the case, but the ACLU is not done fighting. So we're spending a lot of time on that over here at Alliance Defending Freedom. Well, you and your team at Alliance Defending Freedom are, are really incredible. John and I are just grateful to be here. And uh, again, folks, this group is an amazing group. You can go to adflegal.org to find out more about them. And uh, John, any other thoughts about ADF, our great hosts here? No, nope, just they're pretty awesome. So <laughs> go to adflegal.org. And if you want to learn more about California Family Council, californiafamily.org uh, to get this podcast, go to lifefamilyliberty.com or, again, CaliforniaFamily.org. So, and folks, uh, both of our organizations obviously appreciate your financial support as well. So, thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your support. You can go to our website and click the big red donate button. 
And I know ADF is also a nonprofit. They appreciate your support there as well. So we will be back soon with uh, more episodes. We're going to sprinkle these special ADF episodes throughout some of our regular breaking news. But look for some more with uh, other ADF attorneys and other key people soon. But for now, I'm Jonathan Keller. I'm John Girardi. Happy to be here from California Family Council and My Family Liberty. We'll see you next time. Thank you.